in this thing like we left something. Welcome back to my podcast, which is called I Got a Story to Tell. Thank you for joining me for episode 11. That's two number ones next to each other. Y'all know how we do. Before we get into the story, I got to give someone their flowers. This week, I want to give flowers to my brother, Will Packer, my brother, Will. I want to say I love you, brother. Thank you for always supporting any endeavor that I may have. Um, Going all the way back to when I first started doing the school supply drive some years ago. You were always one of the people who reached out and was like, hey, what you need? Even if I didn't reach out and be like, hey, I'm doing this or I'm doing that, you would say, what you need? I want to also give you a shout out and show you some love, brother, for what you do with the Images of Success group, helping those young brothers and sisters in Columbus. I want to say I commend you. I'm proud of you. I love you, brother. Keep up the good work and with that being said y'all know what time it is i got a story to tell y'all let's go so this story takes place in the early part of 1994 I am 15 years old at the time. I'm a sophomore in high school. I attend a all boys Catholic high school. And this school is only about five or six black people. Um, I'm living in a two bedroom apartment with my mother and Pamelene apartments in Mount Airy. Our financial situation is shitty to say the least. My mother's sick in and out the hospital and money is, is real fucked up. I have a job at the time at a grocery store. Even though I'm not making a lot of money, every week my check, we got paid every week, so my check would be about 80 to $100 every week. So I did and gave what I could to help out at home. This particular day, I come home from school. My normal routine when I come in is go to my bedroom, throw my backpack on the bed, and turn on some music. I do that. I walk in, go to my bedroom, throw my backpack on the bed and I go to turn on my favorite CD. I was listening to heavy at the time, which doesn't get and receive the love. It should in the rap community. It was coming out hard by eight ball and MJG produced by Tony Draper. That CD I played to death. My favorite song at the time on that album was Mr. Big. So I go to turn on coming out hard. It don't come on. I said, what the fuck? I go to hit the light switch. Lights don't come on. I say, shit, something must be up with the electricity. I go over to my neighbor's house, Sherry. Knock on the door. Sherry comes to the door. She opens the door. The TV on, lights and shit on and all. I said, oh, shit. I'm like, never mind. Go back to the crib. I'm like, damn, they didn't cut the lights off. My mother's not at home. She had left me a note letting me know that left me a note saying that she was at um, a doctor's appointment at University Hospital. So she comes in the house. I say, Ma, they didn't cut the electricity off. 
She was like, yeah, I figured, you know, one of these days it would. Now, the one bill that monthly that we had that my mother did not miss out on paying was my tuition to school. My mother was big on education and she wanted us, my brother, my sister, myself, to get a good education. So she felt that was the best place for me and she would not miss out on that bill. Even though I knew money was bad at the house and I would be like, mom, why don't I just transfer to a public school? And she was like, nah, nope. So even if that meant we had to go without certain things and she was fine with that. So the backup plan, we took two of those thick <laughs> orange extension cords and lowered them off of our patio, right? We had a balcony like to our apartment. We were right above the laundry room. So we dropped both those extension cords down, took them into the laundry room, plugged them in to the outlet and start getting electricity from the building. We plugged in some lamps, um, the refrigerator, stuff like that. But mentally, my mind is 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 fucked up because I'm like, damn, we struggling. Um, I have to make things better for my mother and for the house. My brother's gone to college. My sister's living out of the state. So I'm like, shit, we got to I got to make this right. So next day I'm in school. My mind is not in it. I'm in a messed up place mentally because my mind is, damn, how do I make shit right at home? Get off of school get out of school, go home, change my clothes, and I walk to work at the grocery store. My walk was probably 10 minutes. Get to work, my mind's not in it, it's somewhere else. Now, the one thing, one of the few things I enjoyed about work was when I took a lunch break at work, we had magazines and books that we sold in our store also. I would get any new magazine when I was on my lunch break and read it for free, get a book, read it for free. At the time I was reading the autobiography of Malcolm X, which we carried at the store, the paperback. So on lunch, I'm reading and I'm about halfway through. I've been reading it every day for probably about the last two or three weeks. This particular day, this book is good. I'm late coming back from my break. And the whole time I'm like, damn, I want to take this book home and read it at home. Cause this little, you know, 30 minutes sessions that I get to read on my lunch break ain't doing it. So I'm like, damn, how can I, how can I get this book up out of here? How can I steal this book basically? So I finished my work shift. I said, you know what? I'm taking this book home. I go down the book aisle, grab it, walk to the back of the store through the double doors back to the loading dock. Now our loading docks were in the back of the store and right inside the loading docks is where we had all the product that wasn't out on the floor yet. So I take the book, I throw it out the loading dock and it's laying right there on the ground. So I figure I'm gonna throw it out there, get off work, walk, walk around the back of the building, grab it, put it in my backpack, which I brought my backpack every day to work and walk home with it. So that's what I did. Forgive me for stealing. So I'm sitting at home, I'm reading my book. I'm enjoying this book. Next day at school, I'm sitting in Mr. Flaherty's religion class. I hear two kids talking behind me. One says to the other, man, I'm trying to go to such and such party next weekend. I gotta find a way to get beer. I don't have a fake ID and I don't have anybody that can get it for me. My ears perk up. I turn around and I say to him exactly, I can get you beer. 
he says, Wilson, you can get me beer? He called me Wilson because at my school, everybody called each other by their last name. And that was a way to differentiate differentiate between people because you might have, you know, four or five people in your class named Mike. So instead of just saying Mike and everybody turn around, you call by your last name. So he said, Wilson, you can get me beer? I said, yeah. I said, how much would you give me for a 12 pack? He said, I'll give you $20 for a 12 pack. I said, word? Yep. I said, well, shit, how much would you give me for a case, which would be 24 beer? He said, you really think you can give me a case? I said, how much would you give me if I can? He said, $50. I said, say no more. Say less. The kid he was talking to before I turned around, he told, he says to me, I give you $50 for a case too. I said, all right, bet. Now I had to come up with my plan. How can I get this money? So the rest of the day, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about it. It's on my mind heavy. Not knowing I had already had the plan. It hit me. I said, just like I got that book out of there, I can get beer out of there. So I'm like, okay, all I got to steal is two cases of beer by not this weekend, but the next weekend, within two weeks. First, I was like, well, I can steal one beer at a time. I'm like, that's the dumbest shit on the planet. So I said, I got it. I'm going to put the beer outside of the loading dock like I did the book. Again, all the product that hadn't been put out on the floor yet was kept in the back, in this back long storage hallway. It's long. It goes the length of the store. And back there we had everything, uh, beer, wine, cigarettes, uh, chewing tobacco, dip, uh, food, all type of shit. And they sat right by the two loading docks. So I said, okay, how can I get all this shit out of here? I then come up with a plan. I'm going to have a mobile store, so to speak. I need to get all the illegal shit I can out of this place to sell at a party. I hatched my plan. Now, the manager, one of the managers at the time, at the store was a cat I went to school with. It was his mother. She was a mean lady and I was the only teenage kid that worked there that she liked. She only liked me because I was friends with her kids. I had gone by their house and hung out a few times and all that. So she knew me. She was a short woman. She was a drunk too. Short, mean lady and a damn alcoholic. And I knew for a fact that sometimes she would come into work drunk. Other times she would bring the liquor in to work with her. I knew this because one time I was at their crib. They were having a party at the crib. Me and him chilling. His mother got to talking a little too loose with one of her friends and said, I can't deal with these teenagers. So I go into work drunk or I take my liquor in my thermos. I never forgot that. I said, oh, now her drink of choice was one of two things. Beef eaters gin or Cuddy Sark. So she comes into work one day. I walk over to her, I speak to her. Hey, how you doing? She says, hey, Michael, how are you? We talking a little bit. I pull her to the side. I said, hey, we're having some financial trouble at home. Is it possible I can work some overtime? 
She said, you sure can work some overtime. She said, pick five shifts that you want to work. Five days. I said, okay. Now, the shift I was going to work was going to be from 8 p.m. to midnight. Our store actually stayed open 24 hours. But between 11 and midnight, it was very slow. Nobody ever came in there. It was only like four or five people in there. So I go over to the clock in uh, machine where we clock in, punch in our numbers to start our shift. Next to that was a printed out schedule of everybody's schedule they were working, including the managers. So I had to pick five shifts. I knew she was going to work because at night she would go to sleep. She would be in that little office up front, knock the fuck out. With her little feet up on that desk. And she always wore these pointy shoes that looked like uh, the iron sheet. So, I found five shifts that she worked. I said, I'm working them shits. Because ain't nobody going to be looking for me. If I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Cool. That first shift comes. Everybody's leaving work. I'm staying. All my boys like, you stay? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm working a little overtime. They're like, all right, bet. We'll holler at you tomorrow. Only people left in the store are the manager lady with the Iron Sheik shoes, myself, two cashiers, and this older woman who never, ever went home. She was always there. She worked in produce. And I was worried, like, damn, I'm going to have to be, I'm going to have to watch out for her because she just walked all over the store and shit. So, the first night, I'm doing my little job. I walk to the back. I'm like, okay, let me get cigarettes first. So I take my backpack, which I had all the time. I get about 10 cartons of Marlboro cigarettes and stuff them in there. I grab a whole bunch of cans of dip and chewing tobacco, stuff them in there. Zip up my backpack. I throw it out the loading dock finish my shift get off walk out the front door walk around the back get my backpack i walk home get to the apartment where my mother and i live take my backpack in my room and i throw all that shit under my bed stuff it back up against the wall so even if my mother looked she wouldn't see it. i'm like all right cool next shift next overtime shift i work in there same thing grab the exact same thing bunch of cigarettes um, the only other thing I added this time was a bunch of boxes of Philly blunts because at the time the weed smokers were smoking blunts. So got a bunch of them. Take it home. Boom. Throw it in there. Now I'm concerned with how do I get beer out of here? Because I can't put beer in a backpack. I can't fit a case of beer in a backpack. So I'm like, shit. So, I have the bright idea. I go to the back. The manager is knocked out. Now, this day was perfect. The manager was knocked out. The, one of the cashiers who worked there, all he did was go out front and chain smoke cigarettes. He smoked cigarettes nonstop. So, he's in the front one after another, one after another. The other cashier, she's slow. Oh, she's slow, y'all. She moves slow, talks slow, acts slow. So she just up there in her own little slow little world at her register. I tell her, I say, hey, I'm about to run to the back real quick. She's like, oh, okay. Manager lady sleep with the Iron Sheik shoes up on the desk. I go to the back. Now, 
the lady that I'm worried about work produce, she wasn't even there that day. She was off. So I'm like, good. Go to the back. I'm like, how can I get this beer up out of here? Behind the store where the loading dock was, about 15 yards, there was a bunch of woods because there were some apartments and houses back there on the other side of the woods. I run, I grab a 24-pack of Budweiser, I grab a 24-pack of Bud Light, and I grab a 24-pack of Keystone Light. I take them out the loading dock, run them over to the woods, and throw them in the woods. I'm like, I'm going to put them over here, and I'm going to find somebody with a car to drive me up here to get these after work. So I put them in the woods. I'm like, shit, okay. Finish my shift. Can't find nobody with a car. So I just got beer over in these woods. Whole next day at school, I'm like, man, I hope nobody go out there and see that. I hope they don't get a delivery and somebody see beer out here. And my whole shit is blown up. Come to work. Go out there. Nobody found them. Nobody said shit. Cool. This is the fourth overtime shift. I'm running down that. <laughs> I'm running down this long, like, back aisle where, like, storage area where all the products and stuff are. I just start grabbing as much shit as I can. I'm grabbing beer after beer after beer. <laughs> I got beer under both arms, running out, run down the loading dock, run over into the woods, throw it in the woods, come back, grabbing, because uh, I knew females like Bartles and James and Zemo, you know, the wine cooler shit. So I'm grabbing them, I'm running. <laughs> run down the, the loading dock steps, throw them over in the woods. I unloaded so much shit in them woods, right? So now I'm go back into work. I'm like, okay, that's good. I got enough of this shit. Now I have to get it home. I get home to the apartment. Walk in. My mom's sleep because I work late. My mom usually went to bed about 9, 30, 10 o'clock. I peek my head in her door. I say, mom, home. She's like, oh, okay, cool. She goes back to sleep. I leave out our front apartment, go over to the neighbor's apartment, Sherry. Her boyfriend, Mike, stayed with her. So I knock on the door. I say, hey, Mike. He said, what's up? I said, I need a favor. He said, what you need? I said, I need you to run me up to the store. I got some shit I put in the woods. I need to borrow your car. You can take me up there. I was like, I don't need to drive your shit. Put it in the trunk, bring it back here. He like, what? I said, nigga, it ain't no dope or nothing like that. He was like, I, Mike had a white Oldsmobile. And it was a piece of shit. This old Oldsmobile had been through hell and high water. It had been through wrecks, damages, hail storms, all type of catastrophic shit, and it still ran. Me and my boy Keys, shout out my boy Keys. Me and Keys called this car the unkillable because you couldn't kill this bitch. Oh no, this car was strong. It was strong. S-C-R-O-N-G. Mike and myself go up to the store. We pull around the back. I put so much beer and wine and wine coolers in his trunk and back seat. He said, nigga, what are you doing with all this? I said, don't worry about all that. Let's go. We get back to the crib. Now, I have to figure out how I'm gonna put this shit in the apartment without my mama knowing. My mother doesn't drink. My mother so doesn't drink that she would get bottles of like bullshit Arbor Mist as gifts from people who would buy somebody some Arbor Mist as a gift. But anyway, 
She would put it in the refrigerator and that shit would sit at the bottom of that refrigerator for years. Like, she, she just wasn't a drinker. So I can't have liquor in the house and not this much. So, and I can't put the shit under my bed. So, every apartment in our building had a little storage closet in the laundry room. Ours didn't have a lot of shit. People used to keep all type of junk in this shit. We had like a couple boxes. I'm taking all this shit out of Mike's car, putting it in the storage closet downstairs behind boxes, praying my mother does not go in this storage closet at any point for the next like week. So I store all that shit in there. Now I got one overtime shift left and I got to get whatever I'm going to get. So I called my boy, one of my boys from school. I said, Hey, I need a favor. He said, what's up? Now, my boy had an SUV, brand new SUV. His folks had bread. They had bought him an SUV as soon as he turned 16. I said, I need you to come up to the store. I get off at midnight, but I need you up there like quarter till, you know, midnight, 11.45. He said, okay. I said, I'm taking a whole bunch of shit. I need you to pull the, the truck, your SUV around the back, open up the back, and I'm going to put a bunch of shit in there. I need you to throw a sheet over it, take it to the crib. He didn't ask no questions. He didn't ask nothing. He was like, all right, bet. 11.45, he walks in the store. He buys some Cheetos, some double mint gum, and a Gatorade. Goes through the line. He don't say shit to me. I don't say shit to him. That was his way of letting me know, hey, I'm in the building. I am down for the cause and I am here for you. By 11.50 come. I look in the parking lot, he turns on the SUV, he pulls around the back. I tell chain smoking dude, I'm like, hey, I'm about to run to the back. He's like, all right. I go to the back and I'm walking fast. I'm walking like a speed walker. Get back there, I look out the loading dock, he already set up. He got the, the back popped up, ready to roll. Back seats are down to maximize all the space. I'm running down that back hallway. I'm grabbing beer. I'm grabbing cigarettes. I'm grabbing uh, chewing tobacco. I'm grabbing gummy candy. I'm grabbing all types of shit. And I'm throwing it in the back. We load up the back of that shit. I close it. He throw the sheet over it. He out. He gone. He went home. Shift is over with. I walk home. Party is two days away. Now I'm like, shit, I got to get all this shit out of the crib into my boy's car so we can go to the party and sell shit. Cool. My mother has a doctor's appointment. She goes to an eye doctor because the disease she had that ultimately took her life, God rest her soul, started affecting one of her eyes and she lost vision. So she has these doctor's appointments at the eye doctor she goes to all the time. So... She has an eye appointment. I know this. I called my boy. I said, hey, this is going to be the perfect time we can get this shit out of here. Now, her eye appointment starts at like four o'clock that that Friday. So she would usually go to the eye, her eye appointments, which were regularly scheduled on Thursday or Friday. She has a Friday. She goes. My boy gets over to the crib. All the shit is still in there that I put in there that last day. 
He comes to my apartment. We going in and out, in and out. We loading up that truck with the stuff I have put away at the crib. We get it all packed up. His shit is jam packed. Oh, it's jam packed. That Saturday comes. It's party time. Get to the crib where this young lady who went to our sister school, which was an all girls school down the street, she was having a party. So we get to her crib. Everybody's there. Everybody's kicking. I see the two dudes. The one dude walks over. Hey, Wilson, were you able to get beer? I said, you got $50? He pulled out that 50. I said, yep. I said, I'll be right back. Went to the truck, bring it in. Give it to him. He's like, oh, shit. You really got it. He hyped. Other homeboys say, did, did, did you get mine? Be right back. Come back in. Oh, shit, Wilson, you're awesome. They going crazy, right? They start walking around. Look what we got. Wilson got us beer. Wilson got us beer. One of they boys come over. Hey, Wilson, um, next party, can you give me some beer? I was like, oh, you don't have no beer tonight? No, I don't have no beer. I couldn't get beer. My brother usually gets it, but he didn't get it for me. I said, how much money you got? He was like, I got 20 bucks. I was like, I can get you a 12 pack for 20 bucks. Shit, yeah. Gave me the 20. And got his 12 pack. Holy shit. He hyped. So now I'm working the party. I hear somebody say they need something. Shit, what you, what you, what you need? I wanted some cigarettes. I was like, I got some Marlboros. I was like, but they $10 a pack. Shit, give me two. They hand me $20. I bring them two. Mind you, at the time, cigarettes was probably two, two fifty. I just made a twomp, a 20 piece for two packs. They, oh, hell yeah, hell yeah. So I started telling people at the party, hey, if you need something, let me know. All right. Now, my boy had parked the, his truck around the corner. So I'm telling them I'll run to the store and get it. I'm not going to no store. I don't need nobody knowing about the stash in the truck. Because last thing I need is for word to start spreading. One thing lead to another. My name get brought up and it's some shit. So I'm not pulling it out in front of everybody. All that pause. I'm just going to the truck. So everybody's coming asking for shit. It gets to one point, I get a list of shit. I go right to the truck, get it. I'm telling motherfucker, hey, give me your money. I'm not bringing no change back, none of that shit. Tell me what you want. I'm bringing people shit. Oh, I'm making a killing. The first night I did this, I made $1,300. I'm like, cool. We still got a lot of shit left over. I know there's a party the next weekend. I know there's a party because one of my boys is actually having the party. So me and my boy whose truck has all the shit in it, we get to the crib early. We park around the corner. People need shit and I'm bringing it. I make a killer. I make about $1,500. Sell out of everything. I finish everything. I got about $2,800. Now my problem is, how do I tell my mother about this money I'm gonna give her for these bills and shit? My mother's not one of them people you can just walk in the crib and give some money. She's gonna be like, uh, where you get that money from? 
And if the shit don't sound right, I got to take that money back. So about a month before all this shit even happened, I was getting carts in the parking lot at the store I worked at. And I found a little black like uh, case with a portable CD player. Inside the portable CD player was a CNC Music Factory CD. I took that CD player home. I'm like, Ma, look what I found while doing carts. A CD player. She was like, that was probably somebody. You know, she, God rest her soul. I love that woman. But she was like, you know, one of those people like, somebody's probably lost that and they're looking for it. You should turn it in to lost and found. I'm like, Ma, I'm not turning this in to lost and found. God gave it to me. God forgive me for that. But that's what I'm thinking. So she was like, all right. And I would always find shit. Like $5 here, $10 there. So I knew. I had to draw back on something that she felt was authentic. So I'm at work. I call home. I use the payphone. I say, Ma, you ain't going to believe this. She was like, what? I said, I found some money. She was like, what? I was like, Ma, I was doing the cards. And there was an envelope with some money in it. She was like, what? I said, I found a thousand dollars. She was like, Michael, are you serious? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm serious. So she says, turn that money in. I said, ma, I was like, we need this thousand dollars. Now, I said a thousand and keeping the rest under my mattress in my room. Because in case she was adamant about turning this in, I was going to have this extra money and I was going to go pay the bill somehow, somewhere. I was going to figure that shit out. So in case the Jesus in her was like, hey, we really need to turn this in. Because my mama was the type, if I was like, mom, we shouldn't turn. She would call the job and be like, hey, my son found a thousand dollars. He's going to turn it in. Right. So I'm like, ma, God, forgive me, God. <laughs> I'm like, God blessed us with this money so we can pay bills and, you know, all this shit. Right. She was like, Michael, no, this ain't right. That's somebody's money. They lost. I'm like, Ma, if they cared about it like they should have, they wouldn't have lost it. She finally was like, all right. So I'm like, Ma, you can pay bills with this. It'll make shit easier, you know? So she was like, all right, cool. I take the money home. I give her $1,000. She just sit there on the couch looking like, wow. So. I'm like, okay, she got the thousand dollars, go pay the bills, do whatever she need to do. Shit is lovely now. I'm happy, I'm hype, I'm feeling good. And I got a whole bunch of money on my own too. Just in case shit go left or she finds some way to bring, you know, Jesus and good fortune and love and God and all that and church into it and get that money back. Because I know that's how my mom was wired. Oh, but she wasn't wired like that that day. My mama took them $1,000 of U.S. currency. Paid bills. Bought groceries. All type of shit. And it made me feel good. So I went in my room. Laid on my bed. Kicked back. And just started singing. Mr. Big, Mr. Big. They call me Mr. Big. I'm out, y'all.